0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Josh Trent. I'm your host. This is the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. It's the place where, since 2015, I've been asking myself this question and finding out all the answers How do I live my life well? How do we live our lives well? If you're brand new to the podcast, this may or may not be the perfect place for you to start. If you love hearing real questions from real human beings across the world about the Wellness Pentagon, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial ways, that we nourish ourselves well, then this is the perfect place for you. Maybe you're in the quest of nourishing those parts of yourself. This is one of many of our Q and a episodes where global tribe members post questions on Instagram and Facebook, and I answer them right here live. So make sure that you're following me at Josh Trent official on Instagram. So you get notified when Q and a episodes are coming up. So you can post your questions. I'm here to answer everything. Literally nothing is off limits anything in the Pentagon, which by the way, go to joshtrent.com forward slash 437. That's a great place for you to start no matter where you are in your journey. And if you want to get a free six-part science-backed guide that's distilled from over 500 episodes, my gift to you, it's the M21 Wellness Guide. It's got breath work and mobility and just a really great way to reset and refresh your wellness. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash M21. So, on this QA, and every time I get on a podcast, all my answers are based on the wellness and the wisdom I've cultivated since I started my spiritual awakening. Well, really, my path of awareness in 2003. Wow, that's crazy to say out loud. 2003? 20 years ago when i quit my job as an auto technician and sold everything i owned to move to hawaii and find myself my fitness wellness spirituality essentially to find god subscribe right now you can hear my personal story on many other episodes but when it comes to your own personal story which is really what we're talking about all these answers and questions from people across the world they point to you being optimal in your own path They point to you being the best version of yourself in your own personal story. So here's the truth. As we begin this Q and a, this is the most objective loving truth that I could possibly say to you right now, this would be the most important thing we can all learn before we leave earth. You and I are loved. We are supported and we are on the right path even if it feels like we aren't we still are which i've learned is the ultimate paradox and in this Q&A we're going to go in right now so if you're looking for by the way if you're looking for a longer guest interview click on any of our tuesday shows and check out our shows on thursdays as well where i take one concept that might be really complicated and i break it down simplistically with actionable steps You can take in your life. Those are on Thursdays for our solo cast. So let's dig in. Let's dig into this week's Q&A. Our first question comes from Michael Guzik on Instagram. How do you know the difference between the universal door closing on an opportunity or it's simply just adversity that you need to persevere and push through? This is an exceptional question. When to grit, when to quit. You know, the best way to do this is to go from the bottom up. What I mean by that is most of us, we try to use our mind to figure out, oh my God, is this the universe telling me something? Should I stay? Should I go? Is this, does this mean that it's the wrong person? Anytime you're thinking about things and you're experiencing a navigational standpoint in your life from the mind only, you are disconnected from the most important thing. And that is your enteric nervous system. So the best way to figure out the difference between the universe closing a door or just adversity that you need to persevere through is to do one deep belly breath. So let's do it together. Inhale through your nose, belly fills. (sighs) Exhale, belly falls. (sighs) Michael, this is such a great question. Intuition is more powerful than instinct when it comes to hearing the universe or when it comes to the universe closing a door. You'll know that it's instinct when it's like a flash in the pan or it's a quick pop or it's a biological response, maybe anger or screw them or this is too hard, whatever that is. That's when you know you're in the mind. One of the greatest resources to learn about the space between the mind and the heart or the mind and the somatics, which is really where I believe the soul dictates us, is a book that was written by Dr. Hawkins. It's called Letting Go. Now, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, the emotional frequency scale, but that's a great book to start learning about how to close the gap between the the heart or the somatics, the real true essence of how we make intuitive decisions versus the mind, which is instinct. Another great episode is with Busy Gold. We'll link this in the show notes at joshtrent.com forward slash 527. That's where you can get all the resources that we have today. So as we talk about discernment, you know, this discernment of listening to the universe and not overpowering the decisiveness that comes from God, the only way that we can experience true intuitive power, which is really Michael at the core of this question. If we want to experience intuitive power, we've got to give ourselves a slow pace and a deep breath and a spiritual practice, practicing spiritual hygiene to know when we're getting a tickle from the universe, or when we're getting a breadcrumb from the universe, or when we're getting a soft nudge from the universe. That's how you know that the door is closing. Now look, sometimes if you ignore it, or sometimes depending on your karma or your dharma in life, it's all mysterious. Sometimes the universe will make the door slam so hard that there won't be any doubt in your mind that this opportunity is done, that the door has been closed. But essentially, to round out this question, how do you know the difference between the universe closing a door at an opportunity or just adversity you must push through and persevere through? You will know it based on your life experience. There's no shortcut for this. There's no shortcut for the sharpening of your intuitive sword. I wish there was, but there's not. And maybe life wouldn't be the same if there were shortcuts for this. Know this. Your instinct will give you something. That's very primal biological flash in the pan short-lived your intuition will come on more like a soft whisper you ever think about somebody and they call you quantum entanglement you ever get like the feeling in your body not in your mind and you know it's a feeling because it'll come from the bottom up like i talked about in the beginning when you have a feeling from the bottom up that's when life really starts to be in flow that's when life really starts to work out for you because the mind is not trying to dogmatize your life experience. What do I mean by this? Anytime that you have a template of exactly how you think life should go and that template is too rigid or you put so much expectation in a desired outcome working out exactly like you think it should, the universe will give you sometimes a very ripe transformation. How do I know this? Um, I used to be almost $80,000 in debt. I used to be almost 280 pounds. I was in multiple failed relationships. Like it's the opposite now. You know, in my forties, I can say it's multiple six figures of income, loving relationship, one child, another child on a way doing something that I really care about. So why should you listen to me? Well, you don't have to listen to me, but, but you can get a shortcut if you do. And I wonder if I would have been open to even hearing this if I was just maybe starting on the path of learning what God is, what the universe is, I wonder if I would have been able to even hear it. I promise you when it comes to the universe closing a door on you, you'll know it'll either happen where there's no ambiguity whatsoever, or you'll make the decision from the bottom up from your stomach and your heart and your solar plexus and your throat. Anytime you make a decision that's like, fuck this, I'm done it's not coming from the universe. It's coming from your mind. Okay. Moving on. Our second question comes from guiding you home to you on Instagram, guiding you home to you says, how can I have mindful conversations with my kids around the harmful effects of porn, video gaming, social media? How can I show them I'm safe to talk to about these topics. Oh my God. This is so beautiful. You know, it's great that you even formulated the question like this. You said, how can I have mindful conversations? I don't know exactly how old your kids are guiding you home to you, but I will say that the best place to do this is when kids are feeling nourished. The last thing you want to do is have a conversation with kids when they're stressed, tired, hangry, you know, lonely or when they're cold or wet, like make sure they're in a good place to actually receive what it is you have to say. Kids are very self-centered it's not to knock on kids. I love children. Children are so magical and beautiful, but in order to have a mindful conversation, you have to be in a space. You have to put that child in a space where they can be out of their mind, where they can be in their body. So don't wait until they're playing video games or neck down in the bathroom for three hours on the toilet, getting a red ring on their butt, looking at their phone for half a day. Don't wait till then show them that you're safe to talk to by you modeling the exact lifestyle that they can model themselves. Kids, as you know, they don't care what people say. I mean, of course they do. There's limits to that but the majority of learned behavior is autonomic. They see it with their visual cortex. It goes into their nervous system for subconscious mind processing. And then the next thing, you know, they're living out, they're acting out their parents' behaviors. I know I did. You know, one thing that I've had to be super aware of is my mom's bipolar and my dad's cognitive dissonance, my dad's anger and shortness, my dad's uh, self-sabotage patterns, my mom's self-sabotage patterns. This is emotional epigenetics, right? How do we not necessarily demand that our kids act different than us. The only way we can have kids have a loving relationship with, and actually this goes for teenagers or young adults too. the only way, if you're bringing up life in the world that you can have that result for them, be something loving and positive when it comes to their phone or porn or social media is for you to model it yourself. So that's the first thing, first and foremost, model it yourself. If you don't want them playing video games, don't play video games. If you don't want them on social media, don't let them see you neck down disconnected on your phone. That's the first and foremost thing. Now porn's really interesting. Let's talk about pornography because there, there is a radical, I guess you could say wetico on this planet when it comes to pornography, pornography held me in its grips for over two decades. And it's safe to say that I definitely had an addiction at some point, Addiction is, you know, the opposite of connection. So it's when a human being becomes disconnected from themselves or disconnected from others. And they find that tertiary or that shallow connection in the addictive behavior, whether it's alcohol or unconscious sex or shopping or workaholism or perfectionism, OCD, all these things, they are essentially a a fabrication, a construct of the mind because the mind does not want to experience the feeling of truth when the addictive behavior, the the negative consequences of the addictive behavior is felt. Let me say that in a different way. The mind is designed to keep you in pleasure and keep you out of pain. First and foremost, like that's what it does. The brain keeps you safe and it gives and receives information. It really only has those two jobs. (laughs) That's, you know, our intellect, our consciousness is different, right? But, but essentially on like a very biological level, Your brain is meant to run the system and to keep you safe. It gives and receives information from your body to others. It's what's what allowed me to talk to you right now to formulate my thoughts. But there's a difference when it comes to porn because porn's real sinister. Porn is real subversive. Porn can get lodged deep in the psyche and it breaks the circuitry in what's called the limbic brain. The limbic brain is the part of our brain that thrives on novelty. It's what makes you, you know, that feeling you get when you're bored. Well, that's the limbic brain signaling the rest of your brain that it's time to do something new. It's actually a beautiful thing to get bored. Like uh, what I'm going to do with my children when they're old enough is like, I'm going to let them just be out in nature and be totally bored in nature and make them find new and exciting things to do. So to to go back to this essential anchor here, porn and the wetiko that happens when people become carriers or hosts of this pornographic energy, of this demonic energy. And I'm not here, by the way, to say that all porn is bad. I think there definitely could be some very conscious, very artistic displays of erotic art, but erotic art is different than pornography. Pornography, if you look way back into the history of it, it came from a place of suppression, right? We know that energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transmuted, you know, in the 1700s actually. And even before that, 16, 17, 18, 1900s, 2000s, pornography has exploded and it's become a multi, multi multi-billion dollar business because... It is still what we're getting over as a society to not have open, honest, loving conversations about sex and sexuality. Heaven forbid that a parent could just talk to their child about sex and the connection of love to sex or that schools, by the way, and I don't believe in public school. I would never have my kids in public school. They will not be in public school. But imagine if there was public school programs that instead of sex education, which really isn't sex education, it's a bunch of heady thoughts with no spirituality and no heart based uh, education whatsoever. Imagine if we talked about porn in schools, imagine if we started to use words to shine love and light on the darkness of this Watiko. it could not live. My friend, it could not live. That is the actual truth. Pornography only lives because it thrives in the shadows. No one talks about it most people do it and most men especially young men they are suffering the consequences i'm not here to scare you but if you look at the resource by gary wilson called your brain on porn it takes months sometimes years of reacclimation to the actual sexual act between a man and a woman for pornography to leave their system i could even say to you straight up now like i still It's been years. I still have little flashes of memories of pornography that I viewed. And it wasn't until I got my ass kicked in ayahuasca so hard and I got into a conscious relationship that I so wanted it to thrive. And then, of course, becoming a father that I really had to look at myself. And why was it that I was going to porn? Why is it that children, and I promise I'll keep this a little bit shorter because I know we're really going deep here, but it's super important. So guiding you home to you, your question is, how can i have conversations about porn with my kids how can i show them i'm safe to talk about these topics the very first thing that you do is you model the behavior that you want them to behave in the second thing that you do is you have conscious conversations that are very slow very methodical and and let the children know like it's okay to feel uncomfortable when we talk about this basically if you want to get rid of porn You have to get rid of the mechanism in the subconscious mind that is seeking that shallow connection or that shallow limbic system hit of the dopamine serotonin. You've got to create a lifestyle for these children and for your family and for yourself that they get that novelty without the porn, without the porn. And that is the big one. There's a lot there to unpack. I'll link a couple more shows in the resources here at joshtrent.com forward slash 527. I think that'll be really, really helpful. And let me know if that makes sense to you or just comment on the poster on Instagram if you want to go deeper. Pornography is a, honestly, I think that's the true pandemic. I think what we went through in 2020 was a plan pandemic. And I think that porn also is a pandemic, but really if you look at how many people are using it, how much website traffic goes to these sites and what is happening to, to unfortunately the minds of so many young men is they're being poisoned. They're being taught that this is how a woman is supposed to look and feel and mm-hmm. act during sex. And then when it comes to these you know 13 to 18 year old boys that are going through massive stages of puberty when they get out there in the world, and by the way, it happens for girls too. This is why a lot of the, things you see on Instagram with like girls showing their asses and getting fake lips and fake boobs and fake everything. It's just not natural. Porn is not natural. Video games are not natural. Social media is natural, but it happens in real life. We need to return to the realness of social. We need to re- return to the realness of games and we need to return to the realness of sex. So how can we have, by the way, this is a great question. It's not even for kids, it's for all of us. How can we have mindful conversations about porn and video games and social media, see them for what they really are. They are secondary, even tertiary ways that the limbic system can feed itself. They're not real. We just think they are. And so they are Real is something that you can feel with your hands. It's something that you can feel with your genitals. It's something that you can feel when you're sweaty and breathing and you run to the top of a hill. Like that's real. So, have that real, mindful conversation. Model the behavior first and then wait till your kids are nourished, right? They're fed, they're warm, they're feeling good. Then have that vulnerable, mindful conversation with them. All right, our third question. Third question is from Tiger Mom 74. Tiger mom says, how do you know that it's your authentic, truest spirit that led you to making the choice to stick with the person husband, not legally married with the hurt and pain after being cheated on in a long time relationship and not spiritually bypassing where the ego is masked and the shadow and tricking and luring you think is your truest choice. I hope you get my question. Well, first of all, the biggest thing in your question is that you were cheated on. Now you may or may not like my answer. I do not believe that it's healthy to be in a relationship where either partner uh cheats on each other and cheating is twofold cheating could be emotional infidelity or it could be physical infidelity and honestly if you look at the biology of men i actually think it's more hurtful when a man is emotionally uh has emotional infidelity versus physical infidelity for me, they're a no brainer that you should not be with that person. And it works both ways. Like I I love myself enough, tiger mom, and and you love yourself enough to know that you attracted and you did create this situation to learn from. So the hurt and pain that you're feeling after being cheated on. And and I say this with reverence, like, I don't know what it's like to be cheated on. I've, I've knock on wood, never been cheated on. But I know a lot of people that have, and I felt those feelings in my own heart, right? When I was in other relationships where I I felt that feeling like, oh my God, I I want to cheat on this person. But there's a difference between feelings and actions. So the level of consciousness that your partner, Tiger Mom, chose to be at when they cheated on you, that, that was a choice. And whether that choice was unconscious or conscious, they chose to do the physical action everybody has feelings. Everybody at some point, I don't care how freaking evolved you think you are every single person, maybe multiple times, even if they're in like a super happy marriage, everybody at some point has thought, Hmm, I wonder what it would be like to cheat on my partner. I wonder what it would be like now, just because you have a thought, which creates a feeling And then that feeling sends energy in motion and that energy in motion creates the behavior. There's a lot of steps before it comes to you actually cheating. Before it comes to you, like writing on a private chat message with somebody that isn't your wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend. There's a lot of time before somebody actually puts penis in vagina. Like there's a lot of time before that happens. So the fact is you have to, you must, Tiger Mom 74 you must look at, what is my way of being or how did I not stand in my boundary or what is it showing me about myself that I brought in this situation where my partner cheated on me and just sit with that for a second. Was I withholding sex? Was I withholding emotion? Was I withholding my heart? And by the way, it's not to excuse your partner's behavior that this is, this is a twofold answer. But the the reality of the fact is that your partner cheated on you because your partner either had that as part of their karmic load that they have to pay off in this lifetime, or your partner felt disconnected from you. Your partner felt that maybe you weren't a match and they didn't have the courage to talk about it, or your partner didn't know how to ask for what they needed. Or in other words, how did you show up in this relationship? What is the emotional inventory that you can take in this relationship that'll allow you to not have that happen again. I'm not here to say that you should break up and never talk to this person again. That's your own path. But me personally, when I think about the law of vibration, the law of attraction, the universal law of one, anytime that I am doing something to someone else, I am also doing it to myself. So your husband that cheated on you, he cheated on himself, especially in this long-time relationship you've been in. There is a lot to unpack there. But the grace and the reverence that I could provide to you today is this. What was it about your way of being in this world with your partner that you can actually learn from, from this heartbreak, from this cheating? What is being asked to be grown inside of yourself when it comes to boundaries or opening your heart or clearer communication? Again, it doesn't excuse their behavior, but there is something amazing that you can learn from this. And maybe, you know, simplistically, the lesson is... How can you get better from this instead of bitter? Maybe that's the lesson that you're meant to learn. Maybe that's your own karmic lesson. Maybe that's your own dharmic path is for you to get cheated on and for you to open your heart even more, open your heart to the pain, open your heart to the cheating, open your heart to all these things that have happened for you and ask, how can I learn? How can I be most humble to learn? I hope that hit your heart tiger mom and i hope that gives you solace and of course it's so gnarly when somebody cheats on you that's it's so hard so sending you lots of love and grace out there all right our fourth question is from Uzen finata 108 Uzen finata 108 says one way of seeing life is that we come here to conquer the mind and find our way back home to unity and for that we need to conquer death as the door to oneness so after all your podcasts What do you think is the right path or tools to conquer the mind? Oh, this is so good. If you want to conquer the mind, you have to be at peace in your body. That's really the most universal answer for all of this. If you want to conquer the mind, you know, when it comes to conquering the mind, even that phrase, the mind is not meant to be conquered. The mind is meant to be controlled either by your soul or by a society. So it's beautiful because in your question, you know, encapsulated in your question is the answer. One way of seeing life is that we come here to conquer the mind and find our way back home to unity. And for that, we need to conquer death as the door to that oneness. Yes, absolutely. But there's a couple pieces of this because I don't necessarily agree that we come here to conquer the mind. I think that we come here to learn how to be in concert with the mind. The mind is a really great arbiter of thoughts, of actions, and of decisions. But the mind is not supposed to be separate. You know, to conquer something is to divide and conquer. The mind is not meant to be conquered. The mind is meant to be controlled. Now, whether we like it or not, our mind has all been controlled from parents, grandparents, society, lineage, emotional epigenetics, our mind has absolutely been controlled. So when we're in this era of information, we all know that we're drowning, we're swimming in information all day long. But the only way to really become wise and be well is not to divide and conquer the mind from the body. If we want to have unity, if we want to know and experience death and God and life and feel all these things, We must become a heretic. We must become somebody who on the daily has a spiritual practice and a spiritual hygiene that gets them closer step by step by step to being in communion with God, the God inside of themselves and the God outside of themselves. A really powerful series to watch and to listen to here is our series with Paul Check, my mentor, my friend. It's called All Is God. And I'll link that series at joshtrent.com forward slash 527. One of the most powerful things that I can answer for this question is if you really get down to it, and this is something that Ken Wilber talks about Paul check. Um, we recently had Aaron Abke. That's a podcast that's going to come out. And I've heard this from many different, probably honestly 50 to hundred different people on the podcast. They all say this one thing. If God is everything and nothing at the same time, then the only way that God could ever experience God's self is in an unlimited amount of ways, in an unlimited amount of timelines. Now, at first audible, you might hear that and go, a comma, what? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? But what I'm saying is, and the way that I can articulate it so that my human mind can understand it, and I think yours will too, if we try to intellectualize, if we try to make understanding of why we're here, what's the purpose, what are we doing? It's not about conquering the mind. It's not about meeting death and being okay with dying. I actually think it's honoring the mystery of the entire experience. The right path or the right tools to conquer the mind are things that actually are meant not to conquer, but to control in order of speciality. I will share number one. The very first powerful thing you can do is breathe breath and wellness. It's at breathwork.io. The discount code is podcast33. It's 33% off. The reason I'm sharing that, I'm only sharing it on this podcast. I don't talk about that publicly. Uh, Breathwork.io and the code is podcast33. That's a three-week journey where you can actually use your breath to start unlocking these higher states of consciousness, higher states of awareness in yourself, the box breathing, the circular breathing, the breath hold retentions breath work first and foremost has to be the very first tool that everyone learns hands down period and stop after that meditation and not just meditation like sitting with your eyes closed you know with the calm app i mean like really going on a journey of meditation having a sit spot in nature going on a vipassana meditation learning about tcm doing different kinds like a real journey into meditating and and by the way you don't have to meditate for an hour to conquer the mind. the whole point of meditation is that you're in concert you're in communion with the mind if the mind and the body cannot live disconnected then the soul only rides on the vehicle that the mind and the body connected provide and so as we are in this era of information where we're all drowning in information but we're freaking thirsty we're so parched for wisdom wisdom only comes through life experience and through the spiritual hygienic practice that comes with in order breath work and meditation. Those two things. Of course, there's peak experiences you can have. You know, you can go to the medicine journeys. You can find it through athletics or through um, marathons or big hikes, big mountains. Like those will give you a glimpse of death. Those will give you a glimpse of that door to oneness. But I don't think there is a right path. I think you're on it right now. And I don't think there are tools that are meant to conquer the mind. I think that the tools that are best used would be to be in communion and to be in concert with it. Okay. Let's move on. Our next question is from Marie mama one, one, one. Marie says, Josh, how do you deal with family members who suck your energy? I love them, but they drive me crazy. <laughs> how many of us can relate to that? All right. I, I have a lot of experience with this. Um, if you don't know my dad and I are estranged, we don't talk. He's made no effort to meet my partner, Carrie Michelle, or uh, have a a relationship with my son. My mom is um, manic bipolar. She actually just got out of the hospital. And I'm the only one in my family that hasn't taken SSRIs. So I have deep experience with this. And, And what I will say is, the very first thing that you have to do to quote deal with your family members is you have to be mindful of navigating conversation. You have to be mindful of navigating conversation and trigger. So the the reason that most of us get triggered is because we have an expectation of how our family members, quote, should be. They should be this way. They should be this way. And this is a two-part answer, right? There's one where it's healthy boundaries, and then there's another where it's your own hygiene, right? And I'll talk about the healthy boundaries in a second. So if you want to deal with family members who suck your energy, you have to be mindful of how much energy you give them at the end of the day, like you don't have to give them the energy in conversations about subjects that you don't want to talk about. You really don't. You can go hang out with family. And Bob Proctor said something really beautiful before he passed. He said, when it comes to family members that drive you crazy and suck your energy, don't go as often and don't stay as long. (laughs) Don't go as often and don't stay as long. So that's the first piece, right? Be very mindful. And and I've had to do this. I've had to literally sit in my car or my truck and like prepare myself to go hang out with family members, give myself a dialogue. Like, okay, when it comes to this person, I'm only going to engage in this way. You have to be very hygienic. And I, and I feel like honestly, you know, some people might not like my answer. I feel like when it comes to really challenging family members, it's, I don't see that as like a relaxing hangout where we're like having a barbecue and enjoying ourselves, I see those situations as crucibles for spiritual growth and emotional growth when I'm around certain family members and it doesn't happen too much anymore. Cause I'm super mindful of my time, but occasionally I, I, I need to go and, and it's most loving to go for certain functions. I find myself actually preparing before I go hang out with them. Have I drank enough water? Have I eaten enough food? What are the things that I'm willing to talk about and that I'm not willing to talk about? Like it's okay for you to just excuse yourself from a conversation and not engage. That's okay. So that's the first piece. The second piece is healthy boundaries. A lot of family members, a lot of family dynamics exist because there are decades And stemming way back to when, you know, conception through seven, the brain is very malleable. Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, moms, dads, grandparents, they are projecting onto you the version of yourself that they think you are. So if you ever go through any kind of change or any kind of growth trajectory on your own and you come back after six months or a year or two years and it's the first time that your relatives are seeing you, they are going to immediately project their vision of you without being curious about knowing the new part of you. And I know that sucks, but look, that's just how it is. Relatives will do that. Relatives will project onto you because, you know, forgive them. That's all that they know. And it doesn't make you better, by the way, because you have more awareness. It actually makes you more responsible and it gives you a greater ability of responsibility to be more loving in situations where relatives may continue to project the old version of you on you. So you could just simply say, hey, mom and dad, or hey, brother, hey, sister, I totally understand how you might think that, but that's not the way that I function anymore, or that's not who I am anymore. And they're going to test you. They're going to be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? That's not who you are. What do you mean? Forgive them. They do not know. Forgive them. They do not know. Then when it comes to the healthy boundary, this is the last part, have a healthy boundary. Let them know that you have to leave at a certain time, that you're willing to talk about certain things, but not certain things. Stand fast. In the love and the support for yourself and be vulnerable with them. When you feel it's okay to be vulnerable, don't be vulnerable if you know that they're just going to slap you or crush you. I don't mean physically, but like emotionally, if they're just going to push back on you asking for what you need, there's emotional intelligence that you can practice within yourself to prepare yourself for that family gathering or for hanging out with family members where you have to, and this is the key you have to live breathe and be in every single moment, the new version of yourself, you cannot allow yourself to indulge in the lower form of you and the lower self and the older version. Because as soon as you do that, the relatives are going to be like, ha, that's exactly what I thought he or she was. So that's, you know, that's my take on it. I, I really feel like functions with difficult family members and relatives, they're opportunities for spiritual growth. And that's how you have to approach them Approach them with love, approach them with healthy boundaries, and approach them with that mindset where you're preparing yourself to not engage in the way that you used to. Okay, let's move on. We're almost done here today. Um, there's a bunch more questions, but we just have time for one more. Let me see which one I really want to do. Okay, Oko Man Chica. Oko mang Chica asks, how do I have a conversation with my wife about our 20-year-old son's girlfriend making her way into our home? where it feels like she lives with us now and no conversation has occurred with our son about this and his girlfriend doesn't really interact with us or contribute around our home. So I'm going to go like straight to the point right here. If you're the breadwinner, if you're the head of the household, it is your loving responsibility to enforce boundaries. That's it. That that's actually the answer to this question. The less you enforce a boundary Of your home the more that you know and this is normal that young minds or adolescent minds or young adult minds are going to test the boundaries it's kind of like when the velociraptors tested the fence in jurassic park it's your responsibility to put up the fences and if you're not doing that then you're afraid of doing that because you either don't have a belief in yourself that you can or you don't feel comfortable expressing it or you're used to because of a behavior pattern that you learned turning your cheek and not loving yourself to have the boundary put up. So how do you have a conversation with your wife about your 20-year-old son's girlfriend pushing their way into your home? Well, first of all, you take a breath and you say, hey, wife, hey, person who I care about, I need to talk to you about something that's been weighing on my heart. Is that okay? You ask permission. And of course, they're going to say yes, because they love you. You're going to say, um, I really need us both to be together on this, that our 20 year old son is breaking a boundary. Now, if you haven't told him the boundary, then that's on you as well. It's a loving father or a loving mother's responsibility to establish healthy boundaries at home. I don't know if your 20 year old son is working or not, or if this, or if his girlfriend is working or not, but it seems to me like all roads end with you. This is on you. This is on you as the leader of that household to stand firm in your resolve and to not crumble because I'll share this and and I believe that this is true for all of us. The moment that a father wavers in his decision-making power, the moment that a father crumbles and shrinks back from responsibility, the family suffers. The family totally suffers. The family will actually never be the same and you can regain their trust. You can regain their respect, but the family will never be the same when a father crumbles because the father is the head of the household. The father is the person that is there to protect. He's there to provide for the family and he's there to enforce loving boundaries. So this may be an opportunity that you've attracted for yourself to have a conversation, yes, with your wife, but to have a conversation with yourself about why are you shrinking away from this responsibility that is ultimately yours to hold? There's a few more questions and I'll get to them in our next week's Q and a from Jeff Tarina, Dustin foodies and Shelly McGroth i will absolutely answer your questions next week this has been an epic epic conversation this q a if you enjoyed it leave us a review on apple leave us a rating and review on spotify it helps us climb the rankings and again if you want to ask a question to me it's every single week here just head over and click follow and get the notifications on at Josh Trent official on Instagram. I'll see you next week for another epic podcast. Go out there today, take your breath, do all the things that you know are meant for your wellness and meant for your wisdom. And if you fall, if you don't do it perfect, take a deep breath, get back up and keep moving forward from my heart to yours. Thank you for being here. And until I see you again next week, I'm wishing you love and wellness. You've probably heard of the term fermentation for gut health, but what if I told you that the best way to improve this gut brain access through fermentation wasn't just through sauerkraut? What if I told you that you could get it through fermented beef and turkey sticks? Would you be interested? I know that I was absolutely interested in this concept three years ago when I came across Paleo Valley organically farmed, sustainably farmed turkey and beef sticks. I take these everywhere. My son, Nova, loves them. No joke, his favorite is the teriyaki. He also loves the regular flavor beef. But daddy, I love, I absolutely love the turkey sticks. Whether it's turkey, beef, any flavor at all, which they have a ton of mouth-watering flavors, our sponsors, our friends over at Paleo Valley, they want to hook you up. All you have to do is go to joshtrent.com forward slash Valley. Use the code Josh, you get 15% off your entire cart. So whether you're getting the bone broth, the ACV, all the different health products that are mouthwatering and good for you at the same time, I would absolutely recommend that you get yourself multiple handfuls of the beef and the turkey sticks to improve the communication of your gut brain axis. Studies show that the fermentation process actually improves those beneficial positive microbes and helps to fight dysbiosis. Joshtrend.com forward slash Paleo Valley. Use the code Josh to save 15% off. What's up, my friend? If you like this podcast, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. Now, when I say quick, I mean quick. Just head over to Joshtrend.com forward slash store peruse, poke around, check out all the products that you're already buying. Maybe you've even bought some of these products on Amazon. Check out the savings, the absolute exclusive, incredible discounts, upwards 10 to 40% off normal prices that you will not find on Amazon. You will not find them anywhere else. A lot of these deals with over 70 different products were created by just relationships from me to the founders of companies. We're talking about Organifi, Paleo Valley, Cured nutrition, cacao, kitchen, home, bath, foods, superfoods, gut health. I mean, literally anything EMF mitigation. When you look at the five sides of the Pentagon, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, even financial, every single tool that you need for a lifetime can be found at joshtrend.com forward slash store. Now, here's the thing. When you go to the store and you get savings, it's a triple win. You save a bunch of money on products that you're already buying Maybe or maybe that you don't even realize could be supporting you and nourishing you. It helps the podcast because that's how I keep delivering you this free content is through love and appreciation through our sales of products we care about and and our sponsors. And then also companies, you know, these conscious companies that I've partnered with, they win too. Save money, create the triple win in your life, and in this podcast, so we can actually be together on this journey of improving our lives. JoshTrent.com forward slash store. Save up to 40% off of everything you're already buying. Thanks for your support.